and Matthew chapter 13, verse number one reads as follows. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And according to other uh, passages of scripture, this is a very uh, familiar setting and familiar way in which Jesus taught was from the sea, the seashore and from the, the boat that went out a little bit. And uh, he began to talk to them. And the, there's reasons for that. If you go to Israel and understand the dynamics and how the voice works, the being at that low point and speaking up the and the wind from the ocean, the wind from the sea begins to carry your voice upward. And so he didn't need a microphone. He didn't need an amplifier and a PA system. But Jesus would use the elements that were at play in nature and he would work with that and it would help to carry his voice. And so he knew that he would uh, pick that most advantageous position. In verse number three, uh, it says it like this, that he spake many things unto them in parables. And then here in verse three, we begin to talk about a specific parable that the Lord gives to the people saying, behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell among stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Amen. The good, the seed that fell onto good ground, the characteristics of that seed that fell into the good soil was that that uh, particular place, that particular seed became fruitful. It was a fruitful seed. Amen. It was a it was fertile ground and it provided for fruitfulness that came came from that seed. Verse number nine says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And uh, we like to at this time, I want you to set your Bibles down. I like us to join together in prayer and I like us to ask the Lord. Amen. To talk to us for a few moments. Amen. we don't need a long time this morning. And I believe that God can speak to us in a, in a few moments and we can receive something that we can take with us. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the word that we hold in our hands today. We thank you for our brothers and our sisters and those that have gathered here together with us in this place. We thank you for the spirit of God that is moving in this house today, God. We're asking you today to anoint every heart, anoint every life, God, anoint every person to receive your word. Anoint me, Lord, as the humble servant of the Lord, that I may speak something and transmit something to your people that would bless them. God, that would edify them, that would build them up, that would encourage the people, Lord, today. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Everyone say in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. God bless you. you. May be seated today. 
Matthew, the tax collector, is the writer of this particular gospel, as is indicated by the name on the top of your Bible there. Uh, But Matthew, the tax collector, wrote his gospel between the years of 60 and 65 A.D. And is often quoted, and he often quoted from the Old Testament. So a lot of times in the pages of the gospel of Matthew, he would look back on the Old Testament. And he would say things like that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet. That it might be fulfilled by the prophet saying he would oftentimes refer back to the Old Testament to show the reader, amen, that this is a direct fulfillment of prophecy, the very act of what is happening in this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, And he often quoted from the Old Testament. In fact, it was more than 60 times in the writings of the Gospel of Matthew that he, he did that. And his intent was to show the reader that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises of the coming Messiah. It was to show the reader that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises. And he was, amen, that one that should come. He was that Messiah. He was the the promised one. And the main theme of the Gospel of Matthew was the establishment of Jesus as Messiah and King of the Jews. And he wanted to show that to the people Amen. Of all the Bible writers, only Matthew uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. And he does this emphatically, and he does it in fact 33 times in the writings of the Gospel of Matthew. He uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Or you can't get into the kingdom of heaven uh, unless you do X, Y, and Z. But he, he makes a lot of emphasis about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, 33 times and here in Matthew chapter 13 the writer attempts to show the read to the reader aspects and characteristics of what the kingdom of heaven is like and so in if you look through Matthew chapter 13 and for the sake of time we just read about nine verses of scripture but if you look through uh, the gospel of Matthew and you Paying special attention to chapter number 13, uh, you, you read about seven particular parables in this chapter. Uh, and it, it, is, it consists of seven parables through which Jesus articulates to the disciples the nature of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the first uh, parable that we've just read is the parable of the sower and the seed. And we've heard about how the, the sower went forth to sow, as the Bible says. And some seed fell among the wayside. And some seed fell among thorny ground. Some seed fell uh, uh, in, in a place in which there was good soil. Some seed fell among stony places. He begins to talk about how the sower goes forth to sow. And then, and then quickly the, the Lord moves forward. He explains what he tells uh, of the sower and the seed. And then he moves to another parable in verse number 24. And he talks about the parable of the wheat and the tares. Amen. The wheat and the tares. And then he moves in talking to uh, about the, the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven in the bread. The four, four parables. And then he begins talking about the hidden treasure and the, the, uh, the goodly pearl. And then he wraps up chapter number 13 talking about the fishing net. And about how they cast out a wide net and there was fish of all kind that they, they got into the net. And so uh, these different parables is what the Lord uses in, uh, to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is like. 
the central purpose of this chapter, chapter number 13, seems to reveal the basic nature of the kingdom of heaven and how it makes its entrance into earth life in this present age. Stay with me for a moment today. I know you're thinking about the parable of the sower and the seed. Uh, and it's talking about the condition of the heart and, and that sort of thing. And then we talked about the wheat and the tares. And we, we begin thinking about how uh, that there's, uh, there's sheep among, there's wolves among the sheep. And, and God, begin, God with time will begin to reveal things uh, if we'll allow him to reveal things. And, and then we talk about the mustard seed and we think about faith and, and how that, that, that mustard seed could, from a small seed in the ground begin to produce something that is so big, a, a large tree and then we could talk about leaven in a bread and we think about a, a small thing that, that could get into your life that could uh, get out of control quickly and, and then moving to the, the next parable talking about the hidden treasure that's in the field and we've talked about this before about that treasure that is found hid in the field and when the person finds it he, he sells everything and buys that whole field and then we talk about the, the parable of the goodly pearl and, and, and all of the, the things that is uh, indicated in, in a pearl that, that is a beauty out of suffering. And we can talk about that for a few moments. And then the final parable is the fishing net about how that a, a net was cast out and there was so much fish of every kind. And we could talk before, even for a few moments to, today about the diversity within the body of Christ and how that the body of Christ is not to be a white church or a black church or a brown church. It's not to be a poor church or, or a rich church, but it's to be a church for all people, a church where people from every every walk of life, from every nationality are in that net or in that body. But step back with me for a few moments today as we look at these, this, these particular parables and what they're talking about today. And each parable emphasizes the coming of the kingdom during the church age. And it is characterized by a hiddenness. Now that word hiddenness is a, a made up word, uh, but it's to show a little bit about what we're talking about today. You can try to type in hiddenness in your, in your computer. It'll, it'll try to auto-correct you. But it is the kingdom of God is characterized by a hiddenness. It is, it, it is hidden. And it will not make its entrance politically or solely through a particular race of nationality. Instead, it comprises of every people. And in this chapter, the gospel or the treasure is buried or it's hidden. Uh, it is submerged or it is covered or it is that the unseen thing. And it grows silently, whether it be a seed or a pearl. And it lies, no, lies noiselessly in the deep. Amen. Such as that pearl in the deep or that treasure in the, in the deep depth, in, deep in the field. But whether seed or whether leaven in bread, whether it be treasure in a field or fish in the sea, all are submerged in either the soil or in the bread or in the seed. Amen. And so for a few moments today, I want to preach about the hidden kingdom. Amen. The hidden kingdom. Uh, there is something that you and I can discover in the house of God today. 
Amen. Something that may be passing, driving down the front road. Amen. You did not notice. Uh, I, I've even uh, discovered the Word of God to be as such. I've picked up the Word of God and I've read a particular passage of Scripture, Brother Nate. And I've read it a thousand times. But when I read it 1,001, I see something I didn't see before. It was hidden from me at first. But as I kept reading, as I kept searching the scriptures, God has a way of screening, if you will, people that are going to get to the kingdom of God. And he wants to see if the person, if the individual is truly hungry and is truly thirsty for something real, amen, that has transformative power in your life. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry, amen, to know more about God. I want to know the deep things of God. I want to discover what God has in store for my life. That's why when a brother Walmer steps behind the pulpit and begins to teach, and he's teaching on a familiar passage of Scripture, it would be easy to say, well, I've already read that passage of Scripture, brother Walmer. Uh, you don't need to talk to me. But no, instead you say, I'm going to hear that again. Because maybe I could get something more. And if you listen with intent and if you listen with a focus, there is something that will speak to you. There's something that you can grab a hold of and say, God, that's for me. I want that truth in my life. I'm seeking. I'm actively searching. I want what God has in store for my life. And in the Gospel, Matthew chapter 13, amen, it, it lets us to know about a certain hiddenness in the kingdom of God. You've got to be the one, amen, to get down to an altar at the conclusion of a service and say, God, I want more of you. I know I've heard the parable of the sower and the seed many times, but, but God, could there be something more that you have for my life? I want to discover what God has for my life. There's more that I can learn. There's, there's more I can live for God for 50, 60 years, and I believe I can read the, I can pick up the Bible and still see something I didn't see before because God wants you to search the scriptures search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life this is why Jesus uses the teaching method of parables first to show truth to those who are hungry and willing to accept it and secondly it was to hide the truth from those with hard hearts who would reject it. Wasn't it in the word of God that said, cast not your pearls before swine, lest they trample on it. And they, they don't value it. But God has a way of saying, if you're hungry, if you want something more, I've got more for your life. If you, if you listen with intent and with, a, with an open heart and an open mind, God, I, I want more of you. God, there's something more that you've got for my life. And I want to have what you have for my life. In the first parable, the, the seed is always good seed. But all the soil is not the same. In the first parable that we read in Matthew chapter 13, amen, some, uh, some soil, some grounds of our heart, amen, are stony places. 
There are some stony places, amen, that uh, uh, you, and you see this in people's lives. They come to God and they, and they, they receive the Lord and they're baptized in Jesus' name and God gives them the Holy Ghost. And you see a great work on a Sunday morning. But then it seems like very, very quickly it, it begins to pass in their lives. And you wonder, where did so-and-so go? Where did, where did this sister go? Where did that brother go? Uh, they were just here last week and God gave them the Holy Ghost. And you've got to allow the Word of God to get deep in your heart. That's why we make a big deal about teaching Sunday morning, preaching Sunday morning, teaching again on Wednesday night, teaching some more if you want, some more on Thursday. But there will be ample opportunity to hear the Word of God go forth and that you might get a hold of it and receive it and allow the Word to get deeper and deeper and deeper in your heart. That God... When there's when there's uh, the enemy that begins to fly around, that that uh, that evil spirit begins to hover over my life and wants to snatch things out of my life. He he cannot snatch things from my life very easily because I've got the word hit deep in my heart and I've got the word memorized and, I, and I've been reading the word and the word's deep in my soul and I didn't allow the seed to just to just touch me on Sunday morning but I allowed it to get deep into my spirit deep into my soul deep into my heart and it is changing the way I live the seed is good in the first parable but it's a soil that is the difference. And even in this place today, there's lots of hearts here. And the word has gone out this morning. Brother Walmer said things. I've said things already. And you can choose. You know what? I'm, I'm going to just. I'm going to reject that. I'll accept this. I'll reject. I'll, I'm going to pick this and pick that and throw that away. Instead of saying, God, just be it so unto me according to thy word. Just deposit some things into my spirit today. Because when I leave this place on Sunday afternoon, I want to leave walking out saying, I have got a word from God. I've got something that I can stand upon when I leave this place. I know how I'm to live and, and how, I'm to, how I'm to conduct myself and how I'm to think as I leave the doors of this church on Sunday afternoon. I've got the Word of God deposited deep into my spirit. I, I would never want to find myself in a church, amen, that did not preach the Word of God, but just preach inspirational inspirational things all the time and I felt good but I had no real substance I had no real depth in my life I've got to hear the word of God preached in my life I need it and you need it we need the word of the Lord today in the treasure uh, and the pearl parable it speaks to us that the gospel once it is discovered is worth selling all and purchasing the field in which it is found. Amen. When you come and you, you experience God and God gives you the Holy Ghost and, and you're baptized and you hear the Word of God taught in your ears and you're repentant and all of these things begin to transpire in your life and God begins to work in your life and you want to... Uh, there, there's, there's times people come to church and they say, well, I, I, I'm going to just... Uh, I'm going to negate this uh, that he's preaching or teaching. I'm going to put that on the side. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get a hold of that, but I'm not going to accept this that the preacher's preaching and the teaching goes on on a Wednesday. We say, well, I'm going to reject that. I'm going to only accept this, and we're picking and choosing. Uh, that's not what the kingdom of heaven is like, friend. 
The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, it's like the man that finds treasure in a field. And he goes and sells all that he has. And he buys the whole field. He says, I'm buying in because I've discovered something in the house of God that I did not see, that I've never experienced anywhere else in my life. And so now that I've seen treasure, now that my eyes have been opened, and I've discovered the goodness of the Lord, I want what God has for my life. And there'll be nothing, amen, that the preacher can't preach that I won't say, I, I want that for my life. I'm taking that to heart. I received that preacher. I received that pastor. I received that elder. I want the whole field. I want everything that God has for me. And I'm willing to sell out everything else. Because I recognize the value in the things of God. If there's one thing that I see today, it's that people, amen, have forgotten the value of the things of God. People today have forgotten the value. There is a value in coming to church. There is a value in being faithful and giving. There is a value in, in being a part of what God is doing. There's a value in living for God. It's a valuable thing. I have found out for myself that God has been good. Amen. The psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I reminded of a story of the lecture that took place in a college hall somewhere and the professor was going on and on about atheistic philosophies and ideologies and trying to discount, negate the power of God, prove that there is no God. And an old farmer stood up in the back of that auditorium on that particular day in that lecture hall and began with an apple, taking big, large bites out of the apple and chewing and eating that crispy apple as loud as he could. And that farmer began to be a little bit disruptive. And he asked the college professor that was uh, trying to wax eloquent on atheistic ideologies. And he said, uh, Professor, have you tried my apple? No, he started out, I, I apologize. He said, is this apple sweet that I'm trying? Is this apple crisp? Is this, is this apple, uh, is it delicious? And he began asking probing questions. And he said, I haven't tried your apple, so I can't tell you definitively. And he, the, the, the old farmer in the back of the lecture hall said, neither have you tried my Jesus. So how can you profess to know everything there is about God? Because you haven't tried him. And I'm thinking about the psalmist that says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I could stand up here and tell you, and we could tell we're blue in the face. This Bible works. The Word of God is powerful. There's power in the name of Jesus. We can sing about it. We can preach about it. We can talk about it. Amen. We can teach Bible studies about it. But until you, amen, get a hold of it for yourself and say, I'm going to taste and I'm going to see if the Lord is good. Because there's a hidden side to the kingdom of God. But unless you search some things out, unless you get in, amen, and dive in and say, God, if it's true, I want to experience it for myself. 
Amen. There's something that you can and will discover. Amen. When you try Jesus for yourself. When you try Jesus for yourself, you'll find out that he's a good God and he's a faithful God. And he's an on-time God. And the times that I've shared testimony after testimony about financial provisions in my life, as I've been faithful in time, as I've been faithful in offerings, amen, those testimonies can become your testimonies. As you say, you know what, Pastor? I gave my time, amen, I watched, and I was faithful, and God made a way for me. God provided for me. I once was lost in sin, but I came down to an altar, and I gave my heart to God, and I tasted of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. I found out He's all right with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. But there's so many times, amen, you can come to church. And if you come to church and you're not careful, you come to church half-heartedly. If you're not careful, you can come to church, amen, just show up, amen, and just, just be there, sit on the pew, warm, warm a chair, amen. But if you never get hungry, if you never get thirsty, there's some things that you leave on the table, amen, that God wants you to experience, that God wants you to uncover. But friend, You've got to express your hunger, your thirst, your appetite, and say, God, I know it's here somewhere. I want to experience what God has for my life. There's something about a man or a woman that is determined in their spirit, that won't give up, that won't quit, that says, God, I know you can answer my prayer. I know you can do it for me. I know it, God. It's to the person that doesn't quit, that just keeps knocking. We have in our house an office where I attempt to do work. The problem is I have two French doors. I think they're called French doors with the glass. And so I've made it a little bit more uh, private and put a frosting on the glass. So you can't make out the object of what's going on in there. Because there was no privacy before. And inevitably when I go in there to work, I turn on a computer, turn on a light so I can see it don't cause some visual impairment. And I'm trying to work. And my little 16-month-old girl comes walking by. She, she walks the house trying to find where's daddy at. And she sees the lights on in the office and she hears it clicking on the keyboard. And she will shake that door and bang on that door because she knows I'm in there. And unless mom comes and saves me and distracts her, that little girl of mine will just keep banging that door and shaking that door till Andini comes out of her room and says, what's going on over here? <laughs> and that desire in that little girl that she says, I know my dad's in there. I can see the, the shadow. I can see his silhouette in the light. I, I can hear him. Uh, and, and I know he's in there. And she just bangs on that door and just keeps knocking until I, out of frustration, oftentimes say, okay, what? Where's your mother? I'm trying to work. Why won't she help me? And, and she knows. And God wants that in us. God, I know you got an answer for me. The next day, God, it's me again. God, I've been praying. Lord, I know you've been hearing me. I've been praying about my son, my daughter. 
You came here yesterday, uh, daughter. I know. I'm going to be back tomorrow. God, it's me again. What? And the next day, God, I, I still haven't seen the answer to my prayer. But I want it, God. I know you got it for me. God, I can see, Lord, my daughter. I can see my son walking through the doors of church. I can see them at the altar. But, God, it hasn't happened right yet, right now. But so, God, here I am again. I'm knocking, God. I'm saying, God, I know that you're going to answer. So I'll keep pushing. I'll keep pressing. I'll keep moving forward. And I'll get a hold of God. And I'll get the answer from you that I need. Because God wants to know, are you really hungry? Are you really thirsty? Do you really want to see what I can do in your life? Do you got to hold it for yourself? Because oftentimes, amen, the worst thing that can happen is you you approach God with someone of a laissez-faire spirit, uh, just kind of whatever happens, happens. And you're praying, God, I want you to save my unsaved spouse. I want you to save my kids, Lord. They're lost. And God said, okay. Here's your husband that's away from God. Here's your kids that are away from God. And the next time you get together, God, I'm so thankful you saved my spouse. God, I'm so thankful you saved my kids. Man, why don't we all go out and just have a great time on Sunday afternoon? We'll just take all weekend and get out together. And you miss church. That was wonderful. Let's do that again next weekend. Oh, man, I, God's answered prayers. My family's coming back together. And God is God's so good. And, and I'm going to miss another Sunday morning service. Because you didn't really get, you didn't get it deep. you got to get it deep. Where when God gives you the answer. To, I, why we've seen it here in church before. We had a lady in our church come years ago that she came faithfully serving the Lord by herself for, for, for months, maybe even years. And she served the Lord and, and we prayed, God, save her husband. God, save her husband. And then God saved her husband. Uh, and then it, was, it wasn't a matter of time before she started getting jealous. Well, he's, he wants more of God than he wants of me. And that's a problem. Well, he, he loves God more than he loves me. That ought to, that's the way it ought to be, honey. If your spouse loves God more than you, you've got to keep her. Amen. You ought to be thankful. Amen. They're in love with Jesus. Because if they're in love with Jesus, they're going to be in love with you. Amen. Because God is love. And if you get God on the inside, you're going to love people. But she didn't get something settled deep down on the inside. Amen. She didn't search it out enough and allow God, amen, to just get deep in her soul. And so it wasn't long before she backslid and her marriage fell apart and she strung out an awful holiday and she's messed up. But God, amen, wanted to work in somebody's life. But oftentimes God uses parables. God uses hiddenness to see, amen, will you search me with all of your heart? Will you shout out everything and make me number one? Will you realize the value in the things of God? He's got to be number one. He's got to be number one. He's got to be number one. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Why don't we lift up a hand to him and worship him for a few moments. God, we receive that word into our spirits today. 
we receive your word, Lord, into our hearts. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. We magnify you. I want to search for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul. And God, as I'm searching for more in you, God, would you search my heart? And if there's anything that's in me, God, that, that can't take the journey, get it out of me, Lord. In the treasure and the pearl parable, it speaks to us that the gospel once discovered is worth selling all and purchasing the field in which it's found. And there's a need to embrace the fullness of the kingdom and all that it entails living for God. Not a picking and choosing. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go there no more because that person offended me. Uh, and, and so I'm going to blanket the whole congregation as offenders. But I'm going to say, no, uh, I'm, I've bought this whole field. There's going to be things I discover in the field, a thorn or a thistle that pops up. And, and I say, I don't like that. Well, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me to deal with that. And I'm going to ask the Lord to work on that area in that field. But, honey, I bought this whole thing. And I said, God, till I die, God, I'm holding on with everything that I've got. And I bought this whole field. Amen. I've grown up living for God. Amen. I've seen people fall. I've seen God raise up preachers. And I've seen people fall down. But I made up in my mind a long time ago. I bought the whole field. I bought the whole field. And nothing, nothing, nothing can deter me. I want all that God has for my life. I want it all for my life. The pearls were created out of irritation and they represent beauty out of suffering. Hidden beneath the suffering was a beauty that would protrude if time was allowed to work its course in that pearl, in that oyster shell. Amen. There is something that's hidden. Amen. Even beneath your suffering, there is a beauty. There is a pearl of great price. You say, well, I'm going through it, preacher. Does God know what's happening in my life? I'm suffering. There's irritation of the sand in the oyster shell. And it's working. It's irritating my life. It's causing me discomfort. i got to keep moving and adjusting because I feel so uncomfortable. I feel so awkward. And yet that thing that God, that is there in your life, is because God put it there in your life that you might, amen, treat that irritant and begin to cover it with some grace and you can begin to walk through some trials and out of the out of these sufferings and out of the irritations of your life you can find a hidden beauty that God wants to reveal in your life there is a hiddenness in the kingdom of God there is hiddenness in the kingdom of God I'm preaching about the hidden kingdom today The pearls are beauty out of deep and dark places of silence and solitude. The pearl is hidden deep down in dark places in the sea. And it's, a, it's in a place of solitude. And, and if you've ever had a chance to maybe go scuba diving or, or get into an aquarium, you see that those those oysters are at the bottom uh, of that, uh, uh, that seashore. And then it's solitude, it's quiet, it's peace, and it's dark. And then there's something that's working, even though you can't see beneath the shell. Amen. There's beauty that God's bringing out of deep, dark, hidden 
places in your life if you allow God, amen, to be right smack in the middle of your life. I'm valuing the things of God. The final parable in Matthew chapter 13, amen, is the parable of the full net. Amen. And it illustrates the diversity of people that find salvation. If you've grown up in a church or you, you've always been to a church that was all one nationality, and I'm going to tell you, you're missing out on some flavor. You're missing out on some the spice of life. You're missing out on some goodness. But I love when I look out across this church and I see people of different nationalities different flesh color, people that speak different languages, and it looks like a full net that God has cast out, and God said, who wants in? Who wants in? Who wants in? God wants to there to be a church in this city that is made up of this community. God wants a church right here. And in this church, there, there ought to be people of Different skin color, different languages, different ethnicities, different upbringings, different walks of life. And there's there ought to be harmony in the body of Christ. I'm concluding with Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 12. Just going back a couple of chapters in the same gospel. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There is a precedent that has to happen to get into the kingdom of God. And if there's a precedent that happens, then that tells me that there's a pressure that is exerted upon the individual from ever going that direction. If I'm pressing to get into the building, it's only because there's something of equal pressure that's coming against me. And you've got to understand and live it for God. There will always be uh, equal uh, pressure that exerts itself against you and says, don't you dare think you can walk down to that altar and lift up your hands. Everybody's going to look at you funny. Eh, what are your friends at school going to think about you? Don't you dare think you can walk down there to that altar. You've been a hypocrite all week long. And there's pressure that exerts itself. So I recognize that coming down to an altar is pressing in. But it's what it takes to get the kingdom of heaven in your life. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven has been vigorously pressing forward or is forcing its way in or is violating. That's what the kingdom of heaven is doing. It's a violation of what? It's a violation of the chronos, the chronological time clock that we're on. Well, I'm I'm just a, I'm just an 18 year old boy, an 18 year old girl. I'm I'm going to I'm finishing up my last year of uh, of high school, then I'm going to go to college, then I'm going to get a job, then I'm going to get married, then then all of these things are going to happen, and we got this chronological uh, timeline. We got it all planned out. Here's what's going to happen. But in the midst of your chronological planning, Amen. God sweeps in in, in a vertical fashion, and He interrupts you right where you are, and He says, from this day forward, I'm going to direct your paths. I'm going to work in your life. But that happens at an altar of some soul that presses, that presses, that presses in. God, I've got to find you. I've got to find you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
There's a pressing in that has to happen. The gospel that brings the kingdom of heaven into time violates the negative bondages of time in cultures of darkness and traditions of spiritual bondage. It is individual deliverance. It is individual deliverance. Nobody can stand, is going to stand before God on judgment day holding to the coattails of their mom or their dad or their husband or their wife. No one's going to stand. You're not going to stand before God and say, well, uh, you know, my husband, he was, he was a praying man, and so uh, we're, we're one flesh, and we're going to go ahead and get in together. God said, no, it's an individual thing here today. It is individual deliverance from the spiritual bondage of sin. And this violation of the kingdom of God coming into a person's life, it is not a gentle thing, amen, but clearly includes violation, amen, of the chronological time clock and a forceful entering and an overthrowing of the old, amen, for the new. That's why it says old things are passed away. All things become new. There's an overthrow that happens. You've got to allow God to overthrow some stuff. Well, God, I've always done it this way. Let me overthrow some stuff on your life. Let the kingdom of God come into your life. Amen. Where God can begin to direct you. Where God can begin to guide you. And you won't make the same mistakes, honey. Year after year. Relationship after relationship. Amen. Problem after problem. But let God enter into your life. And let God take over. Let there be an overthrow in your life. And entering in. Those who respond to the kingdom of heaven making its way in are violators who are violating the constraints of time structures, including family. When the kingdom of God comes into a person's life, a lot of times it confronts your family tradition. You've got a way of doing things your own way, but the kingdom of heaven comes into your life. And it violates. You say, well, God, I've always just known life to be this way. And God says, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge now. Let me do it my way. You've had the reins to your life long enough. You've thought you knew what was best. Let me take over. It, the kingdom of heaven, as it makes its way into a person's life, it, it, it violates uh, the constraints of environment. And we've grown up here, and I'm a product of my environment. I grew up in I grew up in the projects, and so therefore uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be dead by 25 because uh, all I know to do is sell drugs and, and get involved in drive-bys and gangs. And that's just the environment. That's all that I know. But can I tell you, the kingdom of heaven can supersede the environment that you find yourself in, because when you come into the house of God and you find treasure. Here in a field, honey, it's a new field of influence. It's a new place that God wants you to live in and to abide in and to dwell in. It's a new field. It's a new environment. I don't live in the old environment no more. I don't live in my old culture. Can I tell you there's a culture of the church today? There's a church culture in this place. When I come to church... I come early. 
And I come prayed up. And I pray some more so I can get into what God's doing here. There's a church culture. I hug the neck of, uh, of my brother and I shake the hand of my sister. There's a church culture. I know how to love. I know how to respond. I know how to move. There's a new culture. Likewise, he who would enter this indescribably wonderful kingdom must be radically determined to break through the stronghold of this natural world and embrace salvation from above. There must be a radical determination. Just like that, my 16-year-old, 16-month-old, oh Lord, help me. My 16-month-old girl that just kept banging at the door. I ain't stopping, Dad. I know you're in there. It's the same thing. God, I know it's going to happen. God, I know you're going to save my husband. God, you promised me. God, my kids are coming home. I'm just going to keep knocking. God, you're going to save them. God, you're going to do it, God. I'm just going to keep on asking. I'm going to be radical in pressing in. Because there are some things that are hidden from those that are not really hungry for it. But to those that are hungry, God opens, pulls back the curtain and says, here it is. Here's some beauty. Here's some life change. Here's some transformation in your life. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning, this afternoon? Amen. There are some things in this in this Bible, in this book. There are some things in this Word of God. There are some things you can experience in prayer that you have never yet experienced before. But if you just keep knocking, if you just keep pressing, God, I want this whole thing that you got for me. I want everything that you have for me, God. I'm not going to let some thorn in the field stop me from buying this whole field. I'm not going to let some uh, some soured saint uh, throw me off course. I'm not going to let uh, some, some spirit mess me up, God. I, I want what you've got for me. I've seen the value. I've seen the treasure that's in this place. It's in, this, in your presence. I want it today, God. I want it today, Lord. If that's how you feel today, amen, I want you just to worship the Lord where you are. I'd like for you to lift up a hand. Why don't you lift up both hands to God? If you don't really feel it, if you're not hungry, you're not going to experience what God has for you. But can I tell you to the person that says, you know what, my hands are going out, God. God, I know there's more that you've got for me that's latent potential under the surface of my life. Then, God, I want what you've got. This preacher, my pastor, he's telling me there's more. And yet, God, I I believe him. And I want to experience what you've got for my life. I want it, Lord. Come on, would you talk to him for a few moments this morning? I know, amen, and nobody's really lifting up their voice right now. But can you just for a few moments say, you know what? Uh, no matter what's happening next to me, no matter if the person next to me is not as hungry and not as desperate as I am, God, I, I want it, Lord. I want it, God. You see, I came to church with a need in my life, and I refuse 
to leave this place with an unanswered prayer. I refuse to leave this place in the same predicament, in the same situation today. Come on, if you need something from the Lord today, I want to invite you to this front altar area. If you want something more from the Lord, if you're in this place today, under the sound of my voice, and you say, you know what? Ah, I believe that God has something more in store for my life. I'm inviting you to come right now to this altar. I'm inviting you right now to reach out. Come on. In the name of Jesus, I need some people to lift up their voices. I need some Holy Ghost filled children of God to just reach out right now and say, God, God, I know that there's something more for my life that I've yet to discover. Come on up and find somebody else. Would you come and lift up your hands? Would you make your way to this altar and say, Jesus, Jesus, would you simply reach down your hand right now into my life, Lord, and move on my behalf. I need some Holy Ghost-filled saints to come in behind these folks up here. Amen. And slip a hand on their shoulder or their forehead and pray with them. Come on, do I have any saints that would mind helping me pray in this altar? Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Come on, let's reach out to Him this morning. Come on, let's reach out to Him this morning. Oh, God, reach down your mighty hand, Lord. Touch the frustration. Come on, don't stop. Reach out to Him. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice in this place.
Jesus, touch Uncle Manuel, Lord, this morning, God. Touch my uncle this morning, God. God, I pray, Lord, that you would minister to him this morning. You would speak to him, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, you would lead him and guide him, Lord. God, give him a tender heart and affection, God. Whatever you want, Lord, whatever you desire in my heart, God.
Join us for a time of food and fellowship. God bless you. We'll see you back Wednesday at 7.30.